John chapter 5. John chapter 5. If you are a guest this morning, we certainly welcome you to Gospel Baptist, and I hope you'll come back when you can hear the pastor. And that'll be next Sunday, and I hope you'll make plans to be here. That's a motorcycle or something like that Sunday. should be special next Sunday. You got John chapter 5. Before we read, we're going to read the well-known 24th verse. I want you to meet my wife. Just quickly, pal, where are you? Would you stand up so they can see you? My wife, Mary. We have three kids. Uh, thank you. <laughs> we have three kids. They're all grown and gone. Will's an evangelist, and he and Cena, and two of his three are in a meeting in Okoe this morning. And uh, then our second, Wendy, lives in Northern Virginia. Her husband's a lawyer, and uh, she has three children. And then our youngest, Wren, just turned 40. We can hardly believe that. And uh, she lives in Tennessee on the Bill Rice Ranch, helps with music. Her husband is in charge of finances and systems. Uh, that's his title. And they have three kids. So Mary and I have nine grandchildren. And it uh, looks like that's all we're going to get. I was hoping for more, but we have nine, and we're very, very thankful for them. In the back, there's a book table. It belongs to the Bill Rice Ranch. It does not belong to Mary or to me, and the proceeds from the book table go to the ranch. They do not come to us. I want to just mention two. Uh, this is Home on the Range. is a cookbook that our ladies put together on the ranch, and this is great. First Light is a devotional book written by our son, Will, it has 365 devotions. You won't be able to see this, but here's one devotion. comes down to here in another devotion. Take about <clears throat> five to seven minutes to read one in the morning. They're very clear. They're theologically correct. They're helpful. They're obviously scriptural, and they're a blessing. Uh, Mary loves the book, and you can also get Will's devotion via the internet, but those are back there in the back, and I hope you'll look at those and get them, all right? Who here has been to the Bill Rice Ranch? Can I see your hand? Wonderful. Okay. Now, how many of you people have never been to the Bill Rice Ranch? Can I see your hand? Uh-huh. And you call yourselves Christians. <laughs> Bill Rice Ranch began in 1953 because of a burden my parents had for deaf young people. My sister is deaf. And so they began with 12 deaf teenagers the first summer. In 56, we began having hearing young people. We have a little more than 4,000 campers a year, most of them in the summer. 200 of those are deaf, and they come uh, without cost to them. So I hope you'll come visit us. You got John chapter 5? If you would, please, out of respect to the Scriptures, let's just stand as we read verse 24. Jesus is speaking, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Would you read it with me out loud? I'll give the reference, and let's all read together. We'll do our best to stay together. Here we go. John 5, 24. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, Father, we ask now your help as we look at what you have said. May we see it as authoritative, which it is, and may we learn from it. And help us to understand this passage in order that when we leave today, we can live in light of it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. On July the 20th in 1969, the United States of America placed two men, the first, on the moon. That happened on a Sunday evening. You may remember it. I do well. I was at camp. I was at the ranch. We had back then maybe 300 or 400 teenage campers at the ranch, and we began on Sunday evening. Well, they were going to show the moon landing or the walk that evening. And so my father brought a television to the auditorium and we set it up on the platform. And my dad said, after the service tonight, you can stay and we will see the moon landing and walk. Well, after the service, uh, again, there are about 300 kids and maybe 100 adults and staff and so on. We waited and waited and waited and waited. And Neil Armstrong did not leave the landing module. I don't know why. And so maybe 30 or 40 minutes after the service, my dad said to the kids, if you'd like to go on down to Cowboy Town, that's a place of refreshment and uh, healthy foods like Coca-Cola and potato chips. So... Dad said, if you'd like to go on down to Cowboy Town, you can. If you want to stay and watch the walk, you may do that. Well, all the kids left. Every one of the youngsters left. And since they left, the adults had to leave with them. My father stayed, and I stayed, and one other person, I've forgotten who it was. And we saw Neil Armstrong as he set foot on the moon. And when he did, he uttered these immortal words. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And it has always fascinated me that those historic words were uttered without any of those teenagers hearing them. Now, I can understand why. Had I been a teen, I probably would have opted for Cowboy Town as well. And I'm sure all of them heard those words as they were replayed later in the months to come. And probably many of them have read them in history books. How, how many of you remember Neil Armstrong setting foot on the moon? How many people here? Yeah, all right. So most of us. It was a historic event, and the words were famous and meaningful. Now, in John chapter 5, verse 24, the Lord Jesus Christ says some things that are beyond remarkable. 
There are two things I want you to see that Jesus said in John chapter 4. Now, he said more than that, and there are other things worth our consideration, but I want you to see two things that Jesus said this morning. We'll take what he said second first, and then we'll take what he said first secondly, all right? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, it's amazing that Jesus said, There is a group of people who are passed from death unto life. If I were talking with a man after the service out of the parking lot, and I say to him, uh, now, when, when did your uncle pass? Or when did your uncle pass away? And he would say to me, oh, that was five years ago. And I say, I, I can't believe it. Seems like it was just two years ago at the most. Or if I said, um, you know, my dear friend was 94 when she passed. Well, what will we be talking about? If we say somebody passes away, or somebody passes, we're talking about passing from what to what? Well, obviously, if we speak of someone who has passed or has passed away, we mean they passed from life to death. Is that not true? But Jesus didn't speak about people passing from life to death. He spoke of people passing from death to life. Now that's amazing. Why would Jesus have said, there are people who will pass from death to life? Because in God's sight and by God's standard, all of us are dead. Now I know, I know, you would say, well, Bill, I eat and I breathe and I talk and I think and I, I move about. And that's true. And we consider that to be life. But in God's sight and by God's standard, we are dead. Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you hath he quickened, quickened means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So Jesus sees us as dead in trespasses and sin. Trespasses. Have you ever been hunting or maybe walking or hiking, and you come to a fence, and it says, keep out, no trespassing. What does it mean to trespass? It means to be in a place where you shouldn't be. Well, the Bible says we are in our trespasses where we shouldn't be, and sins. We're all sinners. And the Bible says that clearly in the same chapter, Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 3, the Bible says, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling to the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Now listen to this. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 5 says, But God in his mercy, and then in verse 6, again, hath quickened us, that is, made us alive. You see, in God's sight, we live dead to God. We are dead. That's why in John chapter 3, Jesus said to a very good and religious man, Nicodemus, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. 
Now, when you're born with life on this earth, you have that life, but you are dead to God because we're sinners. When, when somebody stands behind a pulpit like this one and says, you are a sinner, he's not making a social statement. He's not saying, you know, you've done bad things. Of course, I'm, I'm a preacher, <laughs> but you're a sinner. Or we're, we're all Christians, but you're a sinner. That's not the point. The point is that in God's sight and by God's standard, all of us have been weighed in God's balances and found wanting. We are all sinners. And the Bible deals with this again and again and again. We are by virtue of our birth sinners. You know, I, I never had to teach my kids how to sin. Had three of them. I never had to say to Will, Will, you know, you're too good to your two sisters. You, you, you never badger them. You know, you don't, you don't pester your sisters. You, you just need to pick it up a little bit. I never had to say to Wendy or to Wren, you know, the two of you never gang up on Will. What's wrong with you? You know, you should be more normal, like the Lytell family. You, know, you, you, you should pick at each other now and then. What, what's this? I never had to do that. My kids came by all of that naturally. Where'd they get that? From their mother, I guess. I don't know. Not, no, no. They got it the same place I did. We are all born in sin and therefore in God's sight dead. Jesus said in John chapter 11, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now he was speaking there of actual physical life, but the point is that Jesus Christ is the answer to death. When one believes in Christ, he can be alive. In the book of the Revelation, the Bible says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death, so that God sees us as dead. And Christ made it possible for us to pass from death unto life. Here's the second thing that Jesus said that is really amazing. Verily, verily, I say to you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, now listen to this, hath everlasting life. Notice how definite the statement is. He has everlasting life. Have you ever asked somebody, if you were to die today, do you know that you would go to heaven? Do you know that you have eternal life or everlasting life? And had somebody say to you, well, I'm, I'm not sure you can know that. You, you can do the best you know how. You, you can pray, you can love God, you can read your Bible, but I mean, to say, I know I'm going to heaven. If, if you and I were talking after the service and you said, Bill, do you know you're on your way to heaven? Do you know you're going to heaven? I would say, honestly, I would say yes. Would he ever wake up in the middle of the night at two in the morning and say, I, I hope I'm going, I, I honestly think I'm going, but I just don't know. Does that ever happen to you, Bill? Never. Well, some people think, isn't it a little bit brassy, braggadocious, to say, I know that I'm going to heaven? Well, no, it's not. Because I'm not going to heaven through that which I have done, I'm on my way to heaven because Christ paid the penalty for my sin, 
died in my place and gave me the gift of eternal life. And so Jesus didn't say, you know, if you hear my word and you believe on the one that sent me, you, you really might have everlasting life. You probably will have everlasting life. You know, there's something you can be relatively confident about. He doesn't say that at all. He says, you hear my word, you believe on him that sent me, you have everlasting life, period. Now that is quite a statement of certainty. And God intends not that we walk around worried about are thinking about the possibilities of freedom from sin and salvation, God expects you to know it. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Okay, you might say, well, Bill, how, how can I then, if I can know that I have everlasting life, how can I know it? Well, Jesus said two things in the verse. If you hear my word and you believe on him that sent me. Now, hearing what Jesus said obviously has to do with his qualifications to give you the certainty that you have everlasting life. And believing on him who sent me, that's God the Father, means trusting God in the matter of the purpose for which Jesus came. So if we hear his word, what did he say? Well, there are many things, and obviously we can't cover all of them this morning, but let's just mention a few, all right? In John chapter 8, Jesus was speaking to religious people, and it was really quite a heated conversation or debate that they were having. And Jesus said, Abraham saw me in his day, and he rejoiced. And these religious leaders said to Jesus, you're not even 50 years old yet, and you're saying that Abraham saw you? And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, he didn't say, before Abraham was, I was. Or after Abraham came, I still existed. Jesus said, quite interestingly, before Abraham was, I am. It is a statement with a claim to deity. Jesus Christ is saying, I have always been, I will always be, I am God. And that's exactly how the religious leaders took it when he said it. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Once Mary and I were traveling, and, and we were doing something we don't normally do, but we had to because of schedule. So we were traveling on a Sunday, and we stopped in a Baptist church in South Alabama. I will never forget this. It's the only time in my life I have ever heard a man preach who was a modernist. That's what we used to call them. In other words, he didn't believe the Bible. He didn't believe in the deity of Christ. And I remember that man saying to a large auditorium filled with people, I remember his saying, you know, I used to wonder what Jesus meant when he said, I and the Father are one. And I came to see that what Jesus meant was that he was so in tune with God and he was so in love with God that whatever God wanted, he wanted. Whatever God said, he said. Whatever direction God had, he had. Now, to be blunt about it, that is absolute blasphemy. 
That's not what Jesus Christ meant when he said, I am their father one. Does it take a Tennessean to explain this? When Jesus said, I and the father are one, what he meant was, I and the father are one. He meant, I am God, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, a reference to Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In Colossians chapter 1. For by him were all things created, that's Christ. Same chapter, next verse. And he, Christ, is before all things, and by him all things consist. Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath made heir of all things, by whom he created the world. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ is God and said so. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. Who do men say that I am? Ask Jesus of his disciples in Matthew 16. Well, some say that you're Elias or one of the prophets. I know Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of God. When Jesus died on the cross... One of the centurions who was there and witnessed the death said, when Jesus cried and gave up the ghost, truly this man was the Son of God. And he was the Son of God, and he is the Son of God. Christ is God. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But the word for God in Genesis chapter 1 is plural. What it actually says is, in the beginning, gods created the heavens and the earth. Well, was Moses, who by inspiration penned the book of Genesis, was he polytheistic? That is, did he believe in many gods? No, no. He believed in one God, in the form of God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, all three of whom were present on the days of creation. Jesus is God. And not only is he God, but he's the Savior. Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. The sheep being a reference to us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Jesus Christ is not only God, but he is the God that bore your sins and that died in your place. 
1 John chapter 2 says, and he, Christ, is the, and then the Bible uses a big word that we don't ever use, and he is the propitiation, that is Christ, the Bible says, is the propitiation. The word propitiation means satisfaction. Christ, when he died in my place, when he paid for my sin, satisfied God with my sin problem. He's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, believers, but for the whole world. Jesus Christ, as God, died for you. He paid for your sin. He died in your place. He answered God with your sin problem. So we hear what Jesus said, and then we believe on him that sent us. What does it mean to believe? And you and I live in a day when the word believe has been quite marginalized. It's been, it's, it's been used to mean almost anything except what it means. But it's interesting, in the New Testament, the word believe is the same word as the word faith. And I love this. This has been a help to me. To believe means to have faith. If a person is believing, he is, in a word, faithing. He's believing. So when one believes in Christ, he has faith in Christ. So what does that mean? Well, it means to trust in. When one comes to God and recognizes that he's a sinner, and he trusts in what Christ has done for him, he believes in Christ, he has everlasting life. So says the Scriptures. But to as many as received him, John chapter 1, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Here's how it works. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. Jesus Christ is God. He owns heaven. Christ is God. He died in my place. He paid the penalty for my sin. And he offers to me the gift of eternal life. Eternal life is not something that you warrant or earn or deserve or work for. It is a gift. That's why the Bible says it's by grace God's giving. Through faith, you're trusting what God has done. So I come to God and I say, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I can't save myself. No one can. I can't forgive my English. Get me to heaven. But I believe that Jesus Christ died in my place. And as best I know how, right now, I'm going to trust the Lord Jesus as my Savior. And the Bible says, when you hear what Jesus said, and when you believe on the one who sent Jesus, you have everlasting life. Which brings us to two brief questions. Have you ever believed on Christ? Have you ever done that? Now, don't, don't be confused and don't be worrisome. Just answer the question. In other words, did there ever come a day in your life when you said, as best you knew how, something like this, I know I'm a sinner, I know I can't save me, but I believe Christ can, and I'm trusting in Christ for my salvation. It's not Christ in works. It's not Christ in being a good guy. It's trusting Christ for salvation. Have you ever done that? If you never have, you can. You can today, and you can before you leave this room. Right where you're seated, you can call out to God. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on 
the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you can call out to God. You can trust him today before you leave this room. Here's the second thing. Whenever I hear the gospel, I think to myself, you know, isn't that simple? I mean, isn't that wonderful truth? I'm a sinner. I can't save me. Jesus Christ is God. He died in my place. I trust him for, for salvation. I would be telling people about that, don't you think? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Actually, what the passage is saying is, as you're going into the world, be sure that you preach the gospel. And it's not talking about you're being a pastor or a missionary. It's just talking about you being you and telling people that Jesus Christ is God, that he died in their place, and that he offers to them eternal life. Now ask yourself this question. When was the last time you explained to someone that Jesus Christ died for their sins. You know, sometimes it's a little embarrassing. All of us love the Lord who have trusted Christ and we're thankful for salvation by grace, but sometimes we keep it to ourselves. So here's the question. Number one, have you ever believed in Christ? Number two, if you have, are you telling other people? And I know that's frightening. I know that you say, well, you know, Bill, I, I, what if they ask a question I, I don't know the answer to? Well, that's simple. You just say, I don't know the answer to that. But you can tell people what Christ did for you, can you not? You can tell them he saved you. You can tell them that the Bible says, whosoever will call will be saved. You can answer the same question that the apostles did when they were in jail and were asked by the jailer, what must I do to be saved? You can answer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You don't need to leave today worried about, concerned about, anxious about, tied up in knots over anything when it comes to salvation. You can leave here knowing that Christ is your Savior and you're on your way to heaven, and you can leave here asking God to help you be the witness that by the grace of God you should be. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Brother Bill will stand with me. We won't have any music for a few minutes. Let me ask a couple of questions. I'm not going to embarrass anyone here this morning. I'm not going to point anyone out. I, I know you know that, but I, I want just to say it to give you the assurance. I'd like to ask a couple of questions, and should you desire to answer, you may do so by simply raising a hand. All right? Our heads are bowed. Nobody looking, save Pastor and myself. Here's the first question. I wonder if you're here and you'd say, Bill, I cannot say I know I've trusted Christ as Savior. I cannot say I know I've been passed from death unto life. I cannot say I know that I have everlasting life, but I'd like to have that. I want to have that. And you'd say, Brother Bill, Pastor, pray with me and for me. And I won't point you out, but I will pray for you. And more importantly, I'll encourage you to pray right where you're seated. So if you're here and you'd say, Preacher, I cannot say I know that I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm concerned about it. I want to know that I see what Jesus has said 
and I see that I need to believe in Christ, and you'd say, pray with me and for me, would you just slip a hand up right now where you're seated until I see it? We'll wait just a moment. Just slip up a hand until I see it, and then you may take it down. How, how many people here would say, you know, Bill, I may not be all I should be, but thank God I do know I have trusted in Christ as Savior. That's settled. I know that. Would you slip a hand up right now? Real high, would you? Well, isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. Thank you. You can put them down. Now, have I missed anyone? Is there anyone else who would say, I can't say I know I'm saved, but I'm burdened about it, I'm concerned about it, and I want to know that. Pray with me and for me. Would you slip a hand up? Anybody else? Anyone else at all? I'll wait just a moment. Anyone else at all? All right, one more question. I wonder if you're here and you'd say, Bill, I know the Lord Jesus, and I've trusted Him, and I know I need to be telling people about the Lord Jesus, but you'd say, it's a little embarrassing, Bill, but you know, of late, I've not been giving people a track, or I've not been telling people about the Lord Jesus, and I want to be the witness He would have me to be. I haven't been of late, but this morning, as we were looking at John 5, 24, God spoke to my heart, and I want to be the witness that God would have me to be. Would you slip a hand up right now where you're seated? Hold them high. Hold them high. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Yes, you can put them down. My, my, many more than I would have expected. Any others? Same question. Don't raise your hand again. Bill, I need to be the witness God would have me to be. I haven't been of late, but I want to be. Pray with me and for me that I'll give out the gospel in its wonderful truth and simplicity. Would you slip a hand up? Anyone else? Yes, 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 God bless you. Yes. Anyone else? Okay, last question. How many people would say, Bill, you didn't preach to me this morning, and I'm saved, I, I'm best I know right with God, but you know, the Lord's been dealing with me about something lately, and just pray with me that I'll do the will of God for my life in this service. Maybe... Maybe you're saved and you ought join this church. Maybe you're saved and you should follow the Lord in baptism. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you've been saved, but you've grown cold and indifferent. I don't know what the need is, but I wonder if you're here and you'd say, Bill, you didn't speak to my need, but God's been dealing with me. Pray with me that I will do the will of God for my life in this service. Would you slip a hand up? Anyone like that? Well, yes. All right. God bless you. Everybody. Would you look right this way, please? Everybody look right here. Let me tell you exactly what we're going to do. We're going to stand in a moment, and we're going to have prayer. When we stand and pray, I'm going to give you a moment to pray, and you pray right where you are. You don't need to pray out loud. But whatever the need is for which you're burdened, if you need to trust Christ, if you need to be the witness, if there's something else that God's dealing with you about, you just go to the Lord and ask His help. Would you do that? You pray about that. We'll pray together. And then I'm going to ask in a few moments the pianist or the organist just to play softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home. I love that song, don't you? She'll play that. If God spoke in your heart, you will already have prayed. If God spoke in your heart, let me encourage you to do this. While she plays, you slip out, come down, see Brother Lytell, just shake his hand, tell him what God's dealing with you about. I need to be saved. I need to be a witness. God's dealing with me about something else. Just let him know, then go back to your seat. 
If there's a need for counsel, people will provide that after the service. But if God spoke in your heart, let me encourage you to come. And let me tell you why. In Hebrews, the Bible says that in church, we are to provoke, stir up one another unto love and good works. One of the reasons we meet in church is for the purpose of being an encouragement to others. Now, you can make a decision in your seat right where you are when you pray, and that's valid. But if you'll come, it'll be an encouragement to everybody else, all right? We won't take long. If God's speaking to your heart and you pray, let me encourage you to come, all right? Let's stand together. We'll bow for prayer. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.